Breaking the cycle to step forward. Authentic conversations from lived experience and a professional perspective in overcoming abuse with Chris Tuck and Beverly Ann. Hi everyone and welcome to Breaking the Cycle to Step Forward podcast with Beverly Ann and um, you are I'm Chris Tuck, as always. <laughs> so this is, have you got five minutes? Bev, the question today is, do you want to be your authentic self at work but can't? This is what does that conjure up for you? Uh, this is um, really interesting because I remember being at a care leavers forum oh, 15 years ago. And there was a professor there from one of the top universities. I'm not going to say what university. No. You know, I want to be respectful of that person. A very successful professor. And it was shared, you know, even at that time, 15 years ago, he didn't want to, to share that he was a care leaver, let alone, you know, any abuse. Yeah. And back then, I absolutely understood him. I absolutely understood that. Whereas now, I don't keep it secret, it's not the first thing, I don't shake hands and say, hi, my name's Beverly and I'm a survivor and a care leaver. <laughs> I don't say all that. However, it was only last summer that somebody introduced me to somebody who'd previously been in the social care sector, who's a psychologist, amazingly. And I was interested to ask her story, how she went from social work into psychology. And when she started to tell me about social, social care, et cetera, I said, oh, I, I very much have interest. I said, I was a care leaver myself and I'm a survivor of abuse. The face changed, the body changed, everything, the whole demeanour changed. And with that, she walked away. So we didn't collaborate going forward. So why do you think that was? Have you got any inclination? Um, or you no, just baffled? just baffled. But she was like, oh, I, I, I don't deal with abuse. That was the words. And that was it. So, and I was like, yeah, I wasn't actually. That sounds like she's got her own story. Yeah. And I was like, I'm not about to share the details. I'm just sharing. <laughs> <laughs> and I was yeah, sharing. Gonna... Yeah, sorry. <laughs> But yeah, so with, do I? At, there was a time I wouldn't share it, whereas now it's valued, mm -hmm. lived experience, especially you know in the in the field that we work in. And I am very much passionate about this, very passionate. Yeah. So the British uh, Psychological Society um, years ago in 2017 released um, a document about. Um, sexual abuse and adults disclosing and what was really interesting is out of the seven presenters six of them were survivors and it was a real you know turning point because they were sharing their lived experience and they were all at different stages but then the language in the room from some of the participants was really telling because go on share more Oh, the language, um, and I think I may have mentioned this before sometime, mm -hmm. but um, um, I'm going to share it on this podcast. Somebody used the, the word damaged, and oh, my damaged clients um, are survivors or victims of 
sexual abuse. And I called it, you know, I was like, I just like to go back and think about the language. And I just want to highlight that word, word damaged. What does that mean to you? Because yeah. to me, it represents broken, get rid of it. And can never get fixed, not worthy. Yeah, yeah all those horrible words. And I said, but all your clients are there to learn about themselves. So what's the difference between being an abuse survivor of abuse? Yeah. So, and I know that in that world, um, it's very much, or don't share anything. I, I mean, I've been in, in counselling and I've said, are you a survivor? And mm-hmm. I'm not allowed to tell you. Mm-hmm. Okay. I'm not asking your story. No, I just want to know because then it helps me relax. Puts me at ease, yeah. Yeah, you know. So, yeah, yeah, it's really interesting from a professional point of view. Now, yeah, I'm a survivor. That's it. Yeah. Um, but in the past, it has 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 stopped me from sharing. Yeah. Mm. It's interesting though that word damaged because some victim and survivors will use that terminology themselves. You know, I'm damaged. I'm broken. I, I can't see a future for myself. I can't see a way out. And they might have been in therapy. They might have been, you know, on a journey of healing, but they will still call themselves that. And I think it's really important that if that's how they see themselves, then their use of that word is absolutely fine. But I feel the same as you, that the word damaged it just conjures up this idea that you can never heal or find peace or find love and health and happiness and all of the other stuff that many of the population and society take for just normal. Absolutely. And and also it's being able to share things professionally is important because even if you're not a survivor, you know, Take away being a survivor of abuse, you know, that doesn't mean to say your life is all rosy and hip and you're skipping around all the time. Do you see what I mean? So if we're unable to have the conversation professionally, you know, but that comes back to the fear and that this is a follow-on podcast from the one we did last month. So I don't want to to go over the same analogy. But how, how have you found it yourself, Chris? Well, this is really interesting. I've been writing down as you've been speaking. Um, <clears throat> when I worked at ICSA, the Independent Inquiry into Child Sexual Abuse, there was many professionals there, um, civil servants, um, counsellors, psychiatrists, psychologists, legal people, um, the staff team. Now, you would be amazed at how many people actually shared with me that they were a survivor, but they weren't going to say anything because of the fear of being judged, the fear of being looked at differently, the fear of um, thinking that the leadership, the management would see them differently. Um, And I've actually experienced that myself. So when I had my breakdown at work in front of everybody which wasn't ideal but that's where it happened um even when I went to the doctor and I think I shared this on my video launch actually of the charity I actually shared it on the video and I shared 
the actual documentation in the video as well. I must go back and look at that. Um, the doctor wrote down on my certificate for sickness that I was having a bit of work stress. And even that word stress back then was seen as a negative. Um, but he what was not going to say um, she's having a breakdown because of trauma, because of childhood sexual abuse and all of the other abuses. He wasn't going to say that, even though that was the truth of the matter. It was just she's um, highly stressed from work and she's suffering a little bit of depression and anxiety. So even that had stigma attached to it, but it wouldn't have affected my career path oh, she's had a breakdown because of da-da-da-da-da-da, yeah? And when I say breakdown, it was a a breakdown at the time, but for me it was a breakthrough because I then got to learn learn all about myself and this journey came after that. Um, So, yeah, it's really interesting how professionals from all different fields within a work environment didn't and don't want to share that they are an actual survivor. Whereas we come from a place of, if we were just able to have truth and transparency in the workplace about, yeah, I've suffered this and this is my impact and this could actually really help with my productivity at work. This could actually really help me get through my day be the best employee possible because actually my employer is actually understanding and looking after me and caring about me I mean that staff loyalty would just rock it the productivity would rock it only if the workplace understood that within their workplace within their school, within their university, doesn't matter where it is, if they only actually understood that at least one in four people are survivors, it will be their staff team, it will be their management team, it will be their leadership team, there will be a survivor somewhere, they will be impact. And if they understood that, it would just it would just be so different in the workplace wouldn't it it just would absolutely so at one time we didn't even want to talk about stress in the workplace we talk about resilience but we don't want to talk about vulnerability whereas I love Brene Brown's version of that courage to be vulnerable but and when you think of the survival skills that survivor victim survivor has you know that's why actually they're very productive. They want to do the best they can. Yeah. And what happens is the biggest cause of or cost of Ill, long-term illness due to stress yeah. um, is never f- figured for in the finance, like in the financial figures. But it's although it's deemed at the time to be the workplace stress, if you look at um, a survey which is you can find all the all the figures on the Office of National Statistics. So if you look at look there, you will see that some of that stress includes non-recent abuse. Yeah. Non-recent stress. Okay. So by ignoring it, we're not actually supporting the team. So if you think of say management, you think of the structure of management and one person goes off sick with stress yeah 
if there's no support structure there on the way to enable that person to speak, what happens is they're unable to speak and that's it. They're ill, they're off. That puts direct additional stress onto the people below the management yeah. structure and the people above the management structure because they've lost a person in the team. And yet, yeah. if we were to do it the other way around, if we were to be able to, you know, speak about it, we speak about lots of different things. Yeah. You know, and it's, you don't have to share everything. This is the thing no. about the conversation. It's not about yeah. having the conversation and sharing everything, but it's like, do you want some additional support? So we're professionals and we're very proud of what we do. We're very, mm -hmm. you know, very hardworking. But there are times, doesn't matter how you know, much our work, but when it comes to, say, studies or certain deadlines or certifications, I need additional support. So I do all the learning. I know my stuff inside out, but being able to write it down on paper yeah. in an academic way, for me, is challenging. Once I get going, but it's a getting going. Yeah. And that's that's where, you know, I'm not afraid to say I would need additional support. Now, I've never been able to ask for it in the past yeah. in a workplace, whereas now, now it's like, no, I am going to ask for it. Because once one person asks for it, it's amazing how it opens it up for others. And you've experienced that yourself, haven't you, recently? Absolutely, absolutely. So, and I, I don't mind sharing, that was where I'm studying for a degree at the moment and things have changed, tutors have changed. Nothing wrong with the tutor, but they they changed. There wasn't as many learning events as I had in the other module. And I like to revisit things and really embed it, um, especially when it's somebody else's language and it's academic yeah. language. Um, and so I, I was really stressed and I have been reaching my deadlines, getting it done, but the mm -hmm. impact on me. So I've reached out, but in one of the groups, I actually said, I went to a back to basic group and I said, this is what I'm finding. And I said, it's as if when I go to write, everything's gone. I've forgotten how to do the simplest of things. And suddenly everyone else was pinging up. Oh, same as me. And there were about five or six other people pinging up. And then yeah. they were able to give us different um, guidelines, give different support. Now I'm looking forward to the next one because I've got, different support structure in to help me but if we have that in the professional place rather yep. than being afraid to speak up it would make such a difference to many businesses and teams yeah I'm writing down as you're speaking because lots of things are pinging into my head um so victim and survivors often turn up in the workplace and in their lives as people pleasers so if you think of the workplace, you go in and you're being asked to do X, Y and Z. You do that, but you just want to carry on pleasing. So literally you go above and beyond and they see that you're a good worker. They see that you're productive and they think you're capable and they keep coming back and give you more and more and more. And then all of a sudden you can't do anymore because you're overloaded, you're overwhelmed and over time that could result in a breakdown. That's exactly what happened to me, right? 100%, right? Okay. Um, but there was no understanding then how the actual workplace fueled that breakdown. 
and we're saying that not blaming no not but blaming. it's all part of it and Insight. this is and this yeah. is where having this conversation is so important because we have an infrastructure in in place now for lots of different things but how many companies actually have an infrastructure for somebody who discloses abuse and i've actually been and attended um an hr um event yeah. again uh, quite a while ago but it was managers and the, one of the things that came up they, they were talking about uh the best and worst really and they found personal development um meetings very challenging so i was like oh, what's challenging about personal development and they said people were oversharing and i was like okay what what do you mean oversharing oh well they're, they're saying about the impact of their divorce or something else that's happening at work um that's home we're at work and I was yeah like, they want that division don't they and i was like how about the fact that someone's been courageous enough to share that yeah enables you to then they're not asking you to stop the divorce or or sort everything out but what about if you were to say like what support have you got in place yeah. and mm -hmm. how can we support you extra at yeah. work now it may be that sometimes when it all gets a bit much they may need a half hour break and it yeah. it may be they need additional support on a project yeah but if they're getting that at that time yeah. how best how much better for the company yeah 100% but also like so we could be a people pleaser which most of us turn out to be yes or we're so afraid of getting it wrong oh, yeah. <laughs> right? so afraid of getting it wrong that you literally go into freeze mode so where I'm linking this all back to Bev is the alarm system the amygdala the like fight flight fight. freeze flop yeah. yeah all of that okay um and then that puts everything into context really so being in your authentic self at work is what I think we should all be working towards because of the benefits that we've already highlighted. But when you don't have that supportive working culture, um, what can go wrong is what we're also trying to mm. highlight. So you've got the people pleaser, you've got the person who's just so afraid of getting it wrong that how many managers get frustrated with their um, employees when they're when they see that the employee's not trying or can't come out of their comfort zone will only do what they're told to do and they're not proactive have we ever asked them why is it that you um are not showing either willingness to try or you can't think outside the box and be proactive you're stuck in you just want to be told what to do a lot of that has got to be that they're afraid of getting it wrong and yeah. consequences of getting it wrong. So there's a lot of psychology that needs to happen in the workplace. But the difference is those people who choose to do it, and it's Richard Branson that says it, the company that considers its relationship with its um, employees mm -hmm. will always be more successful yeah. over the company that considers its relationship with its customers and ignores its employees because if you've got happy employees they yeah. will naturally want to do the best that they can but not because they're yeah. people pleasing but because they feel safe so some yeah. people that's Got to feel safe yeah yeah that's that's their safe 
other people it's there do you know what I mean but it's yeah it's we've I believe personally and this is my own personal belief I think we've we've taken we've we've forgotten the people in our personnel department as we know it it's now HR human resources mm -hmm. sadly I don't feel, feel that it's human enough or humane yeah you know about this um division of you know when you come to work you should be working and when you go home that's your personal life you leave your personal life at home the fact is now with hybrid working right you can't work comes into your personal space all of the time 100% does it so it's just like they've create or or the world as the pandemic has happened has created this so it's even more ripe now for this cultural change to actually really invest in the workforce rather than constantly take away from the workforce and you know we've got it with the junior doctors at the moment haven't we where they've been um striking because they're not feeling valued they don't feel like the hours that they put into their studying and all the work that they do and again there's going to be two sides of an argument that I'm not going to get into but we're talking about from an employee perspective they don't feel valued they don't feel like they're being paid their worth so they're striking now all the while this is going on and the government the employers are not coming around the table to have a conversation it's just going to create even more barriers going forward as you don't care about us you don't really you don't really give a a monkey about us I was going to swear then but I thought no don't um <laughs> you don't give a damn about us that's the message that is sending and but feeling valued is so important for everybody yeah it really so. is you know, it, it makes a huge difference. And, yeah. you know, when you bring it back, everybody wants to be valued. And no, when somebody said, when going back to that HR meeting, so you're expecting me to be all lovey-dovey with everyone and I'm not a, a counsellor <laughs> no. or a psychiatrist. I said, wasn't asking that at all. No. I wasn't suggesting that. But, yeah. But if the person had broken their leg yeah, and they had a plaster and they still wanted to come into work, you would look at how can you make that happen? Do they need additional support to get from the yeah. car? Will they, mm -hmm. How will they be coming to work? Once yeah. they're in the workplace, what would you need to do to adapt? And it's the same. It's yeah. no different. It's no. no different. And when I've spoken to these different people about them sharing with their workspace, i.e. the management, their work colleagues potentially, that they are survivors. I said, how would that make you feel? And the answers seem to be the same. We would love to be able to do that. So we, we don't have to hide and pretend. Um, it will just make us feel more at ease. But the culture of the company, the organisation, just isn't like that we are not able to and I said but I am I'm a professional I'm a chartered management accountant you're qualified in what you do um I run my own do, 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 do. I do this that and the other and they went yeah but you've come out as a survivor and you're doing a specific job you're on the VSCP for example mm. or 
whatever I'm doing, it, it's the same thing. Um, you're just so comfortable about talking about it. You don't mind. And I said, and I said, yeah, but I still do feel that I am judged differently. I am treated differently and sometimes not in a respectful way. And um, we actually wrote, I haven't got it in here with me, um, that lived experience panel, yes. the SCP legacy document. And it's actually printed now. So I've actually got printed doc, uh, copy. And we shared in that that we only became survivors because we were on the VSCP doing a particular job. But before that, I wasn't a survivor. No. I wasn't labelled that. I was a mum. I was an author. I was this. I was that. That's not changed for me. So why should the fact that I've shared stuff Make that's happened different. to me that was not my fault, why should that? Why should I be seeing any different? Why? Yes. Yeah. We shouldn't be doing that. No. That that is stigmatization. That is victimization. And surely somewhere it should be against some uh, human rights. It's prejudice. It's prejudice. Yeah. It's it, discrimination. Because it's making it's making a judgment because you've shared that. But we hear we hear that all the time. We with, do. Um, in context of police as well. So we won't go down that rabbit hole because but we'll what, go completely off topic. But, but whatever organisation, isn't it? It's yeah. just like... And and that's where I think, you know, any anyone listening, if you're a CEO or if you're in management, you know, have a think what's, what's going on in your workplace. And one of the things I will say, the Survivors Trust has currently released yes. um, dates for training for people. Which is free which is free, and if somebody discloses within the workplace. So yeah. that's a Survivors and Trust. Right. Yeah, so um, we can put the link in underneath if anybody's interested for their company, whether it be a small company, whether it be a multinational company, it doesn't matter. We need, you know, we need everybody to be aware that, you know, there's victims and survivors everywhere and yeah. if you're looking for return on investment you can't get better return on investment because it's free they're funded yeah. basis 100 percent. and i also wanted to say bev that obviously you and i also offer training yes when it comes to stress management and vicarious trauma in companies so that we can share our lived experience in a very specific tailored way to bring insight and life to the training that management might need. So the insight and the understanding um, so they can embed some of this uh, knowledge that we've brought to this podcast today. And I think it's important to add there as well. It's very interactive. It's very yeah. safe. But we, in, we enable people to ask us questions, you know, yeah. in your language. You know, we'll help educate you if you know because the first thing people say is oh I don't know if I'm saying it in the right way just say it say yeah. it as it comes naturally yeah. because only then when we have that way of opening conversations can we learn yeah yeah and you know we can always sort of like preempt it by sort of like saying I want to say something but I don't know whether I'm saying it correctly and if I am not saying it correctly please don't take offence, but I just want to start a conversation. So I'm going to say it and I'll get educated along the way. Yeah. <laughs> because you do get some people on some topics that say, 
don't expect me to educate you, you go and find out yourself, which is fine. We can go and find out for ourselves, but why can't we have conversations? Why can't we bring it to a level that is human, that is understanding, that's not judgmental, and where everyone can learn from each other? I think that is better than go and find out from by yourself. And also everything's movable. Nothing stays yep. the same. And when you look at communication, when you look at conversation, you look at the language we use, that's yeah. always evolving. You know, we use words today that we didn't use 20 years ago, that we didn't use yeah. 40 years ago, we didn't use 60 years ago. Let's go back to Shakespeare. So actually, we we do need to keep having conversations and yeah. we do need to keep learning. You know, we say non-recent, whereas at one time we used to say historical. Oh, God, and I, I know that word. <laughs> but some people still say historical. They do, and I have and it's, But it's said with the best intentions. So, yeah. you know, right. and least we understand advice. it. Be nice to them. <laughs> but non-recent means... But, again, it's it's being able to have that conversation. So, yeah. yes, we do do that within businesses. So if anybody's listening to this and you want to find out more, you can email breaking the cycle two step forward at gmail.com last thoughts chris before we finish i think there's an untapped opportunity to really bring awareness to um companies corporations about the workforce about what trauma their workforce potentially are dealing with especially if they are dealing with primary trauma and they're suffering from vicarious or secondary trauma, um, how to actually deal with their staff members in order to, as you say, um, benefit their bottom line, their profits, because their staff are their profitability, profitability or not, potentially. Mm -hmm. um, and also when you say last thoughts, someone really close to me was not, treated very well and they're still dealing with health impacts because they weren't treated very well and they gave their life to an organization and there's going to be many people employees that do literally give their whole self to organizations and I think it's very what's the right word very bad of a corporation organization to treat their staff like that Bev I think it's disgusting and I just wanted to put that on record it is it is and that's where I'm gonna reuse a different word um you know by having support for different members of staff you know even being able to open the conversation for people that aren't survivors for the people around them yeah. What that does, that really brings an extra level of unity and working as a team yeah. and, and and making sure that deadlines are met, et cetera, but in the yeah. best way possible for everybody. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think we've said enough. Yeah. Anybody wants to um, write in about a question, ask any information, ask about um, what opportunities that they would like us to work with them about breaking the cycle two step forward at gmail.com and on that matter, we're going to say goodbye
Bye-bye, everyone. Till next time, take care. 